not wanting to be fat is indeed fat phobic. Also, your statement just indicated that people who work out are also people who do not want to be fat. Did you know that fat people work out without wanting to become thin? Did you know that you can work out for reasons other than wanting to change your physical appearance? The fitness and diet industry has absolutely perverted what exercise is and what it is good for like mental health and cardiovascular health. The industry has brainwashed us into thinking that we can micromanage and control our bodies and exactly what every part of our bodies look like. Sure, you can control your body to some extent, but not through healthy means. This is the Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com Okay, you should have come to 525. Right there. Oh, I come over there? Yeah. Oh, and then we just come and talk face-to-face? -face? Yes, sir. Oh. That seems a little absurd, doesn't it? Means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading sickening some of them but not all of them and the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it and then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were right instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person a vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus the virus does not infect them, the virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. It cannot use a vaccinated person as a host to go get more people. That means the vaccines will get us to the end of this. You were born with a certain amount of intelligence. You were born with a certain capacity to understand and to digest new information. Even though that can be modified later in your life, given the schooling you receive, given the training you receive, a lot of that is determined by genetics. Why does that make you more liable to certain good things? 
Why does that mean you deserve certain good things more? Why does that mean you deserve certain rewards when other people, just by the chance of birth lottery, happen to not have the gifts you have? Principally, it is completely unfair to reward people based on arbitrary grounds of what intelligence they are born with. Some people might have genes that allow them or give them the direction to work harder than other people. Some people might find it very difficult to focus, to work hard, etc. Again, a lot of this is innate and genetically determined. So it is completely arbitrary for us to reward certain people above others just because of their inborn talents or because of how hard they work. Ready? Ready. Roll call. Uh, my name's Nicole, and I'm a doctor kids, and I help parents not lift their lids. Woo! Ready? Ready. Roll call. I'm Dr. Todd. I know the tricks to keeping kids from getting sick. Woo! Oh my God, Todd! I, what are we gonna do? It's like people just don't believe us anymore. I know, I know, Nicole. You know what? These people would rather just listen to some random person or somebody on social media. I bet they couldn't even pass Mr. Jenkins' ninth grade science class. I totally know what you're saying, Todd. And but I just, what are we gonna do? I don't know. Maybe wait. What if we created the, the perfect, perfect cheer? Vaccinate, 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 Who's that girl talking about vaccine? It's me, it's me. Who's that girl talking about vaccine? It's me, it's me. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. C O D I D, COVID, you can take a knee. <laughs> this is a rundown. I don't know what the heck that was, but this is the rundown. Hey, this week we got Kennedy Hall joining us. He's off camera. Ryan is joining us as well, also off camera. We have so many things to be talking about this week, ladies and gentlemen. We're so glad that you're with us. We have a priest of the Fraternity St. Peter who has left the FSSP so that he can speak out against Pope Francis and his illegal uh what would you say what would you call his illegal actions his uh suppression of the latin mass his disdain for the latin mass uh we have canadian truckers which is why we have the canadian expert with us to talk about that we have, i think i have seven video clips from canada really exciting stuff michael matt weighs in on what's happening up in canada and uh the pope gets rebuked this past week taylor marshall did an excellent podcast about it we're going to do a little bit of talking about that and so much more Fauci ouchie for two-year-olds. But first, we have to we have to unveil something to you, ladies and gentlemen. You did a poll. It was the beard poll. And almost 500 people voted on the Twitter. Ryan Grant says, quote, Mrs. Grant likes my beard. But we're coming up to 17 years of marriage. Wow, you're old. 
and she's looking at old photos. And even though she likes the beard, she wants to see whether I really look 20 years younger without a beard. What do you think? By a two-to-one ratio, you out there in Tweeterville did, in fact, vote to shave the beard. Question is, did he do it? No! (laughs) (laughs) Holy smokes. (laughs) There is Mr. Grant in the flesh. Professor Grant. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You look, Professor Grant. Oh, you first look, of all, I can't hear you. <laughs> you look older. You look older. I do. I do. The, the last time I shaved, I looked, looked a lot younger. I was also a little bit. <laughs> I, I was practicing more girth control. But oh, um, at the present, um, I actually look older. So there you have it. Um, wow. And there it is. I think. Uh, I think. I think there's some immediate regret happening in the comments people are like oh i prefer the beard grow it back yeah. right Even from ryan I, I sense some remorse <laughs> yeah uh, and actually uh well mrs grant's only seen a picture i haven't actually seen her since i got the shave so oh wow I, i'm definitely having uh you know wishing it was back she's had some buyer's remorse so it will be grown <laughs> oh my goodness some people are saying you look younger blaze on oh. facebook says you look yeah. younger Maybe I do. I don't <laughs> know if Kennedy shaved the beard or not as well. Weird. Kennedy, Kennedy joined us and then he said he had to go abuse his children or something. I don't know. He's not with us right now. <laughs> Glorian Science says, says, no, Ryan. That's because you're not going to be buying beard bomb from Glorian Shine anymore. <laughs> At least until it grows back. Buyer's remorse. Oh, I'll man. I'll beard bomb. It smells great. We man, this is this is this is a monumental moment, Ryan. I, I if I walked past you on the street right now, I would not recognize you. Yeah, I I'd still am having difficulty recognizing myself. Actually, it's been twelve <laughs> years. The last time I was clean shaven, I was a subdeacon at a solemn mass, oh, and wow. that was before University Ecclesia, and you could get away with things like that. So, uh, oh man, that was uh, that was the last time. And I say, yep, growing it back, not going to shave it again. And of course. Uh, this came up. My 17th anniversary is tomorrow. Oh, well, happy anniversary. Nice that it falls on a first Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's do this. Let, let's, okay, let's bring Kennedy back in. He's here. Kennedy Hall joining us from, the, uh, I guess, the freest state uh, on the continent. Uh, <laughs> the, the Canadians are now suddenly base. Uh, let's set the stage with your prime minister, Justin Trudeau. Uh, talking about why he would never, uh, he would he would attend BLM, but he would never stand with the truckers because they're just mean and racist. I have attended protests and rallies in the past uh, when I agreed with the goals, when I supported the people uh, expressing their concerns and their issues. Black Lives Matter is an excellent example of that. But I have also chosen to not go anywhere near protests that have expressed hateful rhetoric violence towards fellow citizens, uh, and a disrespect, uh, not just of science, but of uh, the frontline health workers and, quite frankly, the 90% of truckers who have been doing the right thing to keep Canadians safe, to put food on our tables. Uh, Canadians know where I stand. This is a moment for responsible leaders to think carefully about where they stand and who they stand with. 
So, uh, Kennedy Hall, Prime Minister Blackface would attend. Uh, but but you, he's calling you hateful. Are you hateful? Yes, I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kennedy, you need to blink when you say that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it, uh, okay, so I wrote an article. Uh, I wrote like three articles a day now. It's hard to remember. I wrote one uh, last Saturday, my predictions about what was going to happen. And it's it's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Trudeau is doubling down. He's a total. He's a Marxist. Like you know, I I don't know. We can speculate about you know who's behind things. I don't know. Whatever. Well, I guess we'll find that out this other side of the grave, God willing. Um. But uh, whoever Trudeau is, whoever's behind him, whatever his thing is, he's really a Marxist. And whoever's behind him is really there. Really are like. I had to watch that press conference. Um. I think three times to do a transcription for it because I'm bilingual. So I had to, my, I don't know, I needed a shower after listening to him talk. He was so filthy, but I had to, uh, you know, translate English, French. And um, he is just, he's like a sociopath. He's yeah, the kind of guy is. who will stare you in the face and slit your throat and not have like his, his heartbeat will not change. You know, like, that's the vibe I get from him. Let me and, let's do um, a quick overview for yeah. for the rundown viewers who may not be aware of what's happening in Canada right now. There is an absolute uprising of truck drivers. Uh, I have an aerial view. I don't necessarily like the music, but I didn't have time to change it. Uh, it's not bad. It's just modern music. But this shows the <laughs> like absolute scale and scope of what is happening right now in Canada. I mean, these are I, I think thousands of trucks that have locked down Ottawa, the capital. It goes on and on. It's really shocking in its scale, and even Trump stands with you. It's true. The Canadian truckers, you've been reading about it, who are resisting bravely these lawless mandates are doing more to defend American freedom than our own leaders by far. And we want those great Canadian truckers to know that we are with them all the way. They are. They've really shown something. So Trump's with him all the way. Kennedy, uh, Trudeau says that they're racist, that they're hateful. I have other clips, too, if we get to them uh, with various news organizations condemning what's happening. Uh, I know you know people that are there on the ground right now. It seems mm -hmm. like they're doing a good job of self-policing. Uh, this yeah. isn't turning into a January 6th moment by any stretch of the imagination. <clears throat> there hasn't been uh, any violence. There hasn't been vandalism. And uh, to the extent... Uh, you know, governments, uh, infiltrators try to get in there and, and subvert the thing. It looks like they're being pushed out. Is that what you're seeing? Yeah, I was at the um, convoy takeoff in one of the cities doing some reporting there. So I've been around the the scene, uh, not in Ottawa, though. Um, yeah, this thing has been, it's it's strange how organized they are. You know, um, if, if you don't know truckers, maybe you guys do, but I have a couple of friends who are in the industry. One of my friends is an owner of a, pretty significant trucking organization and um 
there is not a more organized. I mean, it's like it's like an airport, you know, dispatching and organizing with the regulations and administration mm-hmm. and stuff. It's a, it's a very the trains run on time. Let's put it that way. And they're constantly adapting. And uh, it's 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 a, a strange confluence of events. They're like the perfect vehicle, pun intended, for um, this moment because uh, it had to be national. It had to be working class because the working class hates Trudeau. Um, and to be honest, Trudeau only got 20% of the 100% of possible voters. So he's actually the fringe minority, by the way. Um, it had to be, and it had to be uh, bipartisan. You know, um, these they're not, they're not extremely political uh, at all. They've actually said that no political party is allowed to platform on their, you know, use their platform. They've, there have been a few politicians who have, you know, impromptu speeches on megaphones and stuff, but it hasn't been... Like, you know, so-and-so from the conservative parties here because we asked them to come. Like, nothing like that at all. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, what's funny as well is they actually communicate on, um, what's that type of radio called? Not CBD. but Like, um, ham, like ham radio, like shortwave? It's not ham. It's the one the trucks use. It's actually one of the ones the government doesn't spy on for some reason. Like, that's the weird thing about it. I was looking yeah. into it. And uh, it's still used anymore. by about 80% of truckers. And... um so it's just strange. They've come together. They have uh, the f- one of the form. We don't call them Secret Service, but we'll call it Secret Service for the sake of the conversation. One mm-hmm. of the former Secret Service agents that left the Trudeau administration because he wasn't going to get vaccinated. He's handling security <laughs> in this like <laughs> mini nation. They've made it. It's like Occupy Wall Street, but people like them and they bathe. It's um, mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. basically occupying the city of Ottawa and have turned it into a colony. They've built structures. Um, and uh, it's pretty remarkable all over the country right now. Um, what I thought was going to happen is is what's happening. I, f- I figured the liberals will double down. Tyrants always go down in flames. That's what happens to them. If they go down, they go down in flames because they just they're they're incapable of humility. Um, but around the country, all the provinces are now getting on board with the truckers. You know, uh, in Alberta, which is supposed to be Canada's Texas, you know, they got a flip floppy fella in charge there. And he said, oh, you know, we hear you. Um, we don't support hatred and Nazis and stuff, but we, we'll, we'll get those vaccine passports done in like, a, we'll get, within, within a month, they'll be gone. Mm-hmm. And then they blocked the border. <laughs> and then they said, and then they, they, uh, his party is, is, is threatening a mutiny. And all of a sudden, they're going to get them done on Monday or Tuesday. You know, And that's what's happening all over the country is the provinces are recognizing that they're screwed. And Trudeau is he's going to go down in flames, I think. Here's a question for you, Kennedy. It's one of the things that's been propounded on the mainstream media, on the uh, the controlled uh, media, is that oh, oh, these truckers, you know, they're, they're they're breaking into food banks and they're abusing homeless people and they're stealing from homeless people. All, all this kind of stuff that's coming mm-hmm. out, like, which does not have to me the appearance of truth. But I'm not there. Um, I, I don't buy it for a second. What what do you have to say to you, like when, when reports like that? Is that just uh, des- desperation, false reporting, fake news to, you know, or something to it, Ajahn Provocateur. It's all the above. So, um, first of all, the, f- the first weekend, there was like uh, 30,000 people on Parliament Hill, okay, um, plus the trucks and things. Like, it was packed. And um, so, if there was violence, I wouldn't have been surprised. I used to be a bouncer, okay, when I was 18 <laughs> and 19 years old. Course. There was 10 fights in an evening. That's a pretty decent evening. It's like not that bad. <laughs> if there was 50 fights that first weekend on Parliament Hill with a bunch of people who are legitimately angry at living under communism, um, I would have been like, that's that's not that violent. There hasn't been a single fight. 
Um, there was a, um, and I, I'll, I'll link some articles before I go. I'll put it in our private chat. Maybe you can share it with people. It explains a lot of stuff. And um, there is a homeless shelter that's run by the federal government. So, of course, that's the one that was attacked. Um, apparently, two guys went in and were you know, just being dicks and, and saying, give me some stuff and just being rude. And then they called the police and said, people who are here because of the convoy. I mean, it's a city of a million people, and there's 30,000 people on Parliament Hill. The type of person who ransacks a, a homeless shelter is probably a crackhead. He could have just been out of his mind saying, I'm with the truckers. Give me your food. You know, like, who knows? And again, you know, hundreds of thousands of people visit an area over five or six days and someone bad does something. It is what it is. But, you know, what is happening is the truckers are, are actually they've built a soup kitchen and now they're feeding the homeless. <laughs> so <laughs> um, they're cleaning up uh, the garbage. They uh, they are shoveling the sidewalks and salting the stairs for the politicians to walk up to their job. I mean, it's never been cleaner around there. And um, they're not honking after 6 p.m. Um, even though there's people saying they're keeping people awake, they're not. They actually have a policy of not honking after 6 p.m. They have block captains. So like every 400 meters or so, there's like a guy who's in charge and they're on the dispatch because that's how they're organized. Um, they're bringing in fuel. Um, they've got the emergency lanes open that all the emergency vehicles can get through. And uh, it's just, it's it's an amazingly organized thing and it's... Um, it's just, it's surreal what's happening. Uh, we've been speculating here down here in the States about how uh, quickly this thing's going to fizzle out. Uh, I think I was one of the ones saying, that, I, I don't think that this thing is going to last very long because look, you have you have middle-class people, truck drivers who are, if they're camped out in Ottawa, then, you know, on the side of the road or on in the middle of the road, they're not working and they're not getting paid. How long can they sustain themselves? I think one of the things that's been so surprising to us is how uh, other people have come to their aid and brought them food. And, and there are moms singing Canadian national songs, making sandwiches. And those those videos are making their way. Here's here's uh, Polish Catholics arrived at Canadian truckers to, to give help. Here's a quick video. The best woman from Vancouver. Thank you. Show me what's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, this is from Polish, okay? from Polish store. Yes. From Toronto. Oh, look what they're bringing in. They're eating better than us. Wow, I wish I was a trucker, man. And there are so many videos like this, Kennedy. There's like a, you know, a national outcry and outpouring of supplies and materials to sustain these guys. There's like a whole logistical operation to keep 50,000 truck drivers uh, in place. It looks like this thing has some some staying power because it's it's backed by it has a popular backing. Is that is that an accurate way to look at it? Mm -hmm. um, it's I've never seen something like this. The the spirit of patriotism in my country. I mean, you guys know we've we've talked a lot about the stuff that we've been through here, and it's been very bleak. Um, and I I've cried a hundred times, and everyone I know has with the videos that come in of. You know, not to be too cheesy, but like, you know, people of all backgrounds and all races and all religions and stuff. I mean, I'm not advocating religious indifferentism, but this is where we live. And with all the nonsense that's happened, I mean, you've got um, <laughs> you've got them driving. They were when they were on their way, they were driving through Manitoba and they got to the border of Ontario. The Ontario Provincial Police, which is like the state troopers, they decided to help them get through and actually led the convoy for them. And when they stopped, um a group of Hutterites, which is like Mennonites, 
showed up with food they made. And then there's videos of moms getting together and singing the national anthem. And, you know, that first Saturday on the hill there, um, there was 30,000 people singing the national anthem outside um, and having a party. And uh, it's the only way this thing is going to go away is if the mandates are dropped or if it gets really ugly. Um, but either way, it's a win. Uh, you know, Trudeau is he's a, he's, a, he's a tyrant. He's a dictator, but he's not a real dictator in the sense that, you know, uh, he's not like his dad either of them you know uh, he, we're, i mean i really doubt we're going to if a shot was fired with the whole world watching and uh they start opening fire on truckers i don't i can't see it happening it's just not in the stuff that we have here it's just we're not china even though he yeah. likes them so much yeah yeah, yeah. even though um, so he's going to either have to back down or he's going to have to go out there and be pretend that he's a dictator and then everyone's just going to see him for a fraud one of your mo- one of your recent articles in LifeSite about the situation and you link to some tweets and to some uh, videos uh, I, for folks who don't know you you you're you're working you know with LifeSite. you're able to publish there you're working with Mike Church you've got your books uh, I know you you're we're coming up on your hard stop and you're uh, you can't like 10 minutes, 10 minutes, the entire yeah. show unfortunately because that's lame but <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about all the things that you're doing, Kennedy, where we can find you, um, where we can hear you. Sure. Um, but first, James, did you have something you wanted to add? I, I think, James. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks for taking time. Uh, I, I want to know, do, do you think the collapse of the narrative at uh, 10 Downing Street, for instance, under Boris mm-hmm. Yeltsin, I mean, uh, Johnson, Yeltsin. Uh, <laughs> had a driving force which propelled the, the anger and frustration of Canadians in in Ottawa and all over Canada. Mm, yeah, uh, we got that Commonwealth thing going on. Um, right. I was just about to say that exactly. And you and you and I both have the Commonwealth thing going on. Right. So, um, right. Yes, you know, Canadians. I love my country and stuff. But the one of the worst characteristics we have is um, uh, sort of anti-American elitism. You know, it's like we're not like them. At least we're not like those crazy Trumpers or you know, right. it doesn't matter who's in right. power. It's like we're better than they right. are. Right. Um, so the whole time where you'd say, I mean, Michigan, which is an hour and a half of me is, is basically, I mean, I think it's pretty much completely open. It's been open for a long time and they've got the craziest nut job possible in charge of that sure. uh, state and it's still open, but they would say, well, that's America, you know, like their private health care. They don't care about their citizens, blah, blah, blah. But then when England did it, it was kind of like, that's the motherland folks. And they got universal health care and they got welfare and they've got all the things and they're open. And they are, they had vaccine passports, and they just decided to stop. I think that was a watershed moment as well. Right, right. Um, and I think you're right. That's a good analysis. So why don't you grift for us before you run? Tell us where we can find <laughs> okay. you. Okay, well, the main grift right now is, is this one right here. So my book was just, this is a beautiful cover that Tan made. It just came out again from Tan Books, Terror of Demons, my original one. If you've never bought it, it's um, time to buy it. And <laughs> it's a hardcover, beautiful imagery. It's actually original image. Um, and uh, so that's out right now. I am working full time for LifeSite News, and uh, you can read me, my stuff there every day. And I am writing freelance, and I'm actually recording an audiobook right now, which is going to be a surprise. It's not my book; it's for a priest. It's an explosive, amazing book. So hopefully, it'll be out sometime soon. And um, and uh, that's the main grifts right now. 
Uh, I still have my book, Family Be Damned. I renamed it Lockdown with the Devil. I thought the lockdown might go away in 2020. So I didn't know if I should name it Lockdown because I thought it might have been a passing fad. Turns out that was wrong. And uh, I knew it was going to last, but I thought, okay, well, you know. Two years to flatten the family now. That should be the name. Yeah. So it's called Lockdown with the Devil. Because now, I mean, this lockdown, right? It's it's. It's like World War II. You just say it, and it's like, remember that time? It was this time, and this is one of those times where, I mean, even though, even if it's going to end relatively soon in some places, in most places, the paradigm, we're still going to be getting through the hypnosis and the psychology for a long time now, you know? So uh, it's definitely a part of our history. Yeah. Lockdown with Trudeau. Trudeau. (laughs) That's a good one. That that could work. Um, All right. Well, thanks for joining us tonight, Kennedy. Uh, God bless you and and all the Canadians. And, you know, as much as I hate to admit it, I'm proud of Canada right now. Uh, You guys are inspiring us and you're leading the world. This is how. Let me me say one more thing before I have to go to because I had this this profound uh, nonsense that I had to get out. Um, People have been asking what's happened to canada why did it go this way and honestly i don't know the answer all the way through but i can tell you there's a difference between a bad politician and a real tyrant trudeau is a real tyrant like he he's 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 a he's a real sociopathic tyrant who hates you and wants you to die joe biden is like that but america's a different story and we've never had that here in canada we haven't we've had bad prime ministers but it's never been like this never even close and we've never rebelled because you know we've never really had the reason to uh, all the way through it's always been it's always been it's a good place it's a good place to live mm-hmm. and for a lot of us it was almost like we were taken hostage and we were in shock we didn't know what to do and i remember talking to a priest in mid 2020 and we knew this was nonsense and we're like what the heck are we going to do and we remember we thought we don't know what we could do no one's going to go i mean what are you going to storm the capital like this there's nothing you can't do anything and it took a while for us to almost get over the shock of being abused. Uh, because deep down, this people of mine, it is not a soft people. There are soft people here, but you know, this is a nation where we made scurvy our handmaid. And we decided that frostbite would be something we'd snuggle every night in order to colonize the place. This is a place where our favorite sport involves wearing blades on your feet and swinging sticks and rocks at each other. You know, we're not a violent people in the in the the war sense, but we are not a pushover people. And we finally found our bearing again. And the good people of this country who have a backbone have finally shown up. And this fight is just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And it's going to get uglier in some ways. But... Uh, the true spirit of that rugged stick to not collectivism, but something like a communitarianism, that community spirit that's been necessary to colonize a place like this, which is so cold. You have to work together, and they finally found a way to do it, and um, and it's pretty special. And that's what I'll leave you with. Wait, Kennedy, before you go, is there any chance yes. you've got a minute? The chat is uh, booming with questions sure. about the GoFundMe for the truckers. What, oh, sure. what is going on with that, if you can? So GoFundMe has dropped them. They just dropped mm-hmm. them. I just found out. Um, but I'm not surprised. Do they fund it or do they steal it? No, it's not. So, okay, technically GoFundMe's policies are if they decide to drop your thing, you have a time to get a refund or they donate it. That's, that's part of like the click and accept all terms thing. That's not like a special thing for the truckers. So people are saying they're stealing it. They're not. They're giving them like a month to get their money back or whatever the number is. 
And if they don't ask for it back, then they donate it to a charity. That's what they do with all fundraisers they drop. Um, I knew this was going to happen. Um, but I know for a fact, because we work closely with the law firm that is dealing with GoFundMe. And uh, they've actually set up a nonprofit. And they have a way to channel their money. To be honest, I'm a little... I thought GoFundMe might drop them, but I th I thought they were smart enough to realize that if they did that, they probably raised twice as much money. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, with the international coverage of this, if a guy like Elon Musk said, "Here's a million bucks." Honestly, there's just it's been so uh, international. Uh, there's apparently a give send go, um, but these trucker people in charge of this, um, uh, watch the Tucker Carlson interview with one of the organizers. He's not he's a very smart cookie. He's not a dummy at all. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows about the Great Reset. He talked. He's a very smart guy, and um, I am positive they have a backup. They would not have done this without it. They're too smart. So mm -hmm. it's this for the first time in a long time. It looks like the leftists are actually on the back foot, and I, I think this is uh, we're going to see the resolve of them right now and see how they fall, they push through. Mike, you ready for another fundraiser? <laughs> well, you know, I, I was just going to say, on behalf of American Catholics, I think I, I speak with one voice when we say, "Let's go, Canada." There you go. All right, don't, 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 don't do it too much, Mike. It'll start sounding like venom coming out of your mouth once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, All right well, thanks for joining us, Kennedy. God bless you. Good luck, guys. Our... And you know, there's proof of God's existence is the fact that you idiots are still on YouTube. <laughs> I know. I don't even have any strikes. No strikes. Just take care. Uh, the the show moves forward, but we still have a couple Canadian uh, videos I wanted to show. There are some. Here are some Canadian Karens. They really think that they're making a difference in their community. Look at these chicks. We were coming from different places, and we met in front of our building. And then the, this guy with this huge truck came and tooting, you know. And I said, "This is awful, awful. Let's go and stop him." This huge truck and a bunch of little littler trucks came up our little street here, honking away, and we just decided we'd had enough, and we thought we'd make a statement. And we were up high in their cab of the truck, right, looking down on us. We couldn't hear anything they had to say, and they, could, they didn't want to hear us. I, so I wanted to communicate to them that we just did not support what they're doing. So I just did a thumbs down. Every time he honked his horn, I did a thumbs down, and so there were a lot of thumbs down. It wasn't an easy thing to do, but it was an impromptu thing, and we've had enough. We're, 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 we've had enough. This is, this is an occupation. This isn't, yeah. this isn't a protest. All of us are a certain age. We've been fighting a long time for women's rights. We're kind of used to it, but that was scary. I mean, you know, that's a huge truck. They're bullies. It's not easy to stand up to a bully, and you very rarely win anything. Aren't they so proud of themselves with their <laughs> Karen haircuts, their butch haircuts, their masks, their staying safe? Um, <laughs> they make a difference? <laughs> <laughs> we were standing up for women's down. rights to stand outside in this down. in front of a 18-wheeler for our whole right. lives. We're a certain age. Yes, all Karens are a certain age. That's definitional. <laughs> I want to play you a quick note from Michael Matt. He asked us to spread this message far and wide. And I think it's important that you hear him because he actually went up there uh, and, and was doing some boots on the ground reporting as well. Hey, everybody. Michael Matt with just a quick word about supporting these truckers up in Canada. 
Um, we just got to do this, man. I mean, the, the media is completely covering it up. It's one of the biggest spectacles, as everybody knows now, spectacles of protests, rallies of protests in the world over the past two years. And it's contagious. I just wanted to share with you uh, that we've been hearing from people all over the world about similar convoys, including just this morning. I heard that uh, there's one headed for the Vatican, for Rome. I, I haven't confirmed that yet, but man, I hope it's true. In any case, the Canadians have started it, eh? Good for them. God bless every one of them. They're the ones that are taking the chance. They're the ones that have got a lot to lose from what they're doing right now, right now in Ottawa. And wouldn't you know it, these, these losers in the media are covering it up like it's not even happening. So let's do our part. Let's do what the media are refusing to do. Support these guys, these Canadian guys. Support them with everything you got, including prayer, but support them, spread the word. I'm going to put the link down below for the video that we just did at Remnant TV. Puts the context, puts their enemy, these truckers' enemy in context. We know who they are, the lunatics of Davos. Please, please, please help us spread the word. Share that video and share anybody else's video out there who's covering this thing. So these truckers can be, this can just be the beginning of a massive protest and a, ma a massive rally. James, I think... I think that Canadian truckers are finally going to unite the clans. You know what? It, it took it took the Canucks, you know, riding their bisons and their trucks to get everyone focused on what needs to be done. You know, absolutely. I think this is the most ecumenical I've ever seen. Everyone. It's a it's a, it's it's a moment that defines us all. You know, are we jumping on board? Are we going to make this happen, or are going to sit back and let uh, this time pass? I, I feel I feel bad, Ryan, because I actively made the decision really not to talk about the truckers last weekend because I just thought, oh, this is just, it's Canadian. They're going to fizzle out. It has no mm. staying power. It's not even worth talking about. Ryan, I was wrong. This is one of those times I I was wondering if it would fizzle out as well. I was hoping it wouldn't. Um, and there's a lot of people. Oh, this is a planned up. This is just a way for them to you know cause this or that. Um that's true in any event, any mass protest. Uh, they're, they're not above putting in an Asian provocateur. They're not above, so for example, that there's a little photo of some Nazi flag, another photo of a Confederate flag. Yeah, maybe there is somebody that just thought it would be a great idea to put that up for whatever reason. I tend to think this is actually something that's planted or a photo that's planted on purpose so that they can be like, you know, 24 seven on the, on the main screen, must flee TV about why this thing is so evil. So really, uh, I, I think that in the, the net gain is, is good because ultimately this, this is the type of stuff, whether this is an integrally natural movement of people or there's some kind of control in it, the fact that so many people are getting up doing things like blocking the, uh, the government. And during Indian independence, what, uh, you know, what, what stopped the British Empire in India? Uh, the Indians stopped working and the entire country came to a standstill and the British said, oh, Mm -hmm. um, and so what's happening in Ottawa is similar. Trudeau runs for it, literally hides some fake. Oh, I got a positive COVID test. Yeah, well, we didn't even, no, no, you're right. We didn't even really get into that. I mean, first of all, he, he claimed that he was exposed to COVID, so he ran away. Uh, and then he claimed that he was positive from COVID, so he ran away. And then the story kind of morphed into like he's hiding for his safety because these people are all violent Nazi extremists. Um, you know, to a leftist, anyone who disagrees with you is a violent Nazi extremist. I've been called a Nazi uh, by people who are to the left of me who claim to no be way. Uh, so, uh, Brother Martin, uh, I, I, I was wrong. Um, Ryan, 
Ryan is backing me up. He's like, look, I thought it was going to fizzle out too. Where were you a week ago versus where are you right now on Canada saving the world? To be honest, I have a really strange perspective on, on protests only because I lived in Italy. I've seen a, a, a completely different side of, of protesting as we do here in America. In America, it's very organized, like the March for Life, for instance, where just kids, teenagers, adults go and have fun. They make it a vacation. They go to Washington, D.C. They see the monuments. Uh, and then part of the schedule is they go to the March for Life, walk down the street, wave their signs, and that's it. Whereas in Italy or whatever, people have flares, firecrackers, they're banging drums, they're, they're, they're causing disruption. They're doing a, a shopero where they shut down the entire uh, metro system, the subway system, so people can't get home from work, et cetera. Et cetera. They're calling, causing real disruptions to really make their voice heard. And so this was, it was kind of uh, trying to see whether Canadians are Americans or Canadians are Europeans in the sense that are they just going to go and parade? Or are they actually going to cause disruption? The fact that it was truckers, the fact that it was a working class, and now that the farmers are, are, are coming in, really shows that they're trying to distru- dis- um, disrupt um, economics in Canada, which obviously mm-hmm. reflects good on the politicians. And so the politicians have to, in a sense, answer for why the economy is doing so bad, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they are, in one sense, a little bit more serious than we are in the United States about our, our protests in the sense that they got a whole industry to do something about it, whereas in the United States we can't get a whole industry to to uh, uh, to protest pro life things. In the sense that we can't even get the Catholic Church to, to protest pro life things. In the, I mean, the whole jabs and all that kind of stuff. So, right. I mean, I think Canada is actually doing much better than the, in the United States and actually uh, doing something with their protests and accomplishing. Michael Matt mentioned something about Rome. Without violence, Does anyone. Here- I, I, I haven't been able to substantiate that. I wish it what was true. What are they going to do? They drive those stupid little three-wheel trucks, you know. I was in Rome last month, and I didn't see a single 18-wheeler, so I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't see them very much because most of it goes by rail. And, and big, you, heavy, you know, mopeds. Mopeds. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, these three-wheel trucks that I cannot stand. Getting stuck behind those on a narrow road is one of the worst things ever. It was basically like a, a, a medium or small size box truck with a cab that has one wheel under it uh, and then yeah. two in the back. It's, it, it, I don't understand oh. the, the utility, but it, it's made for navigating narrow places where you have to deliver stuff in uh, old thousand year old cities. So, the not just that we're picking on Trudeau, though, because he went and, and hid and, and he was hiding from, from the truck drivers, I guess, because they were going to run him over. What does it say about the United States when the leader of the free world, supposedly the most powerful man in the world, can't even walk up a flight of stairs? Well, his wife is holding his hand, Ryan. Like he's right. like a he doesn't know where he's supposed to go. B, you know, he's got to go down a couple stairs, and the guy looks like he is out of it. Mm-hmm. It's not even just the mere physical disability because that could be tolerated. FDR. Don't forget, had polio when he was in a wheelchair. And at the time, you didn't have uh, television hardly. And where you did have, you're basically seeing stuff in, in theaters, very carefully scripted events where he's, you know, or photographs where FDR is on a cane. So nobody could see that he's disabled because they would come to that very conclusion. <gasps> We're fighting Germany and, and Japan and our leader can't even walk. That, 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 that's what they wanted to avoid people doing. Now, really... As long as the mental acuity is there, the fact that he can't walk, it, at least in a country such as ours, isn't really a big issue. It's more the fact that the mental acuity, why is he, he seems so disabled, is because he doesn't seem like he's there. 
And people have noted that since the election trail. You know, uh, every, single, every single week we have a clip where he says something that's absurd. James, I want you to react to what he says just now. And, uh, and I said, Mom, why are all those kids, who was then called colored, why are all those colored kids in that bus? Because in Scranton, there weren't any. There were very few blacks. So they're not allowed to go to school with us here in Delaware. <laughs> my, my, my first reaction is... <laughs> My first reaction is Scranton, Delaware. Like, what's he talking about? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I I haven't done the Google search to see if there is a Scranton in Delaware. <laughs> but I right. don't, James. I don't think yeah. there's a Scranton in Delaware. A no, B. I don't think we've called y'all colored for like right. 150 years. <laughs> like, don't tell me that your dad said it. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> You know, it's so funny. I mean, uh, what's Joe Biden now pushing on what 75, 76? Uh, I, I don't think I don't think he was of that generation that used that used that word, you know. I mean, uh if uh what's his name, uh who just passed away, uh the, the great actress Sidney Poitier had come out, you know, explaining such a term to us, I would say, Okay, well it makes sense. Wait, are you talking about Betty White? Betty White just passed away. She <laughs> no, could say talking... colored, I think. Right. I think Betty right. White could get away with it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm not sure where uh, Joe Biden comes off using that, using that, and trying to claim it was something of his generation. Totally absurd. Uh, he's clearly not not with it. I mean, if he wants to basically reveal all the little uh, funny ways in which his family was talking about people of color, yeah. you know, as a term is being used now, he, he's definitely uh, re- revealed a lot more than he was supposed to. You know, oh, a little goodness. inside voice there coming out, but uh, yeah. it's absolutely absurd. I mean, today it's uh, persons of color. Tomorrow it's uh, colored persons. I mean, who knows? It's just uh, the whole know, thing it's, is absurd. It's like the inverse of say the red, do the black, or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like it's 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 he's he's saying the quiet part out loud, right? Um, exactly. The, you know, the, probably the biggest digital news this week was uh, Joe Rogan. Um, Joe Rogan's the biggest podcast in America. He has more listeners weekly than CNN has viewers. He's had two controversial guests on his podcast. And uh, they're controversial because they go against the COVID narrative. Um, good on him. Joe Rogan put out a statement uh, responding to his critics. And here it is. I think there's a lot of people that have a distorted perception of what I do, maybe based on sound bites or based on headlines of articles that are disparaging. Um, the podcast has been accused of spreading dangerous misinformation specifically about two episodes, a little bit about some other ones, but specifically about two, one with uh, Dr. Peter McCullough and one with Dr. Robert Malone. Dr. Peter McCullough is a cardiologist and he is the most published physician in his field in history. Dr. Robert Malone owns nine patents on the creation of mRNA vaccine technology and is at least partially responsible for the creation of the technology that led to mRNA vaccines. Both these people are very highly credentialed, very intelligent, very accomplished people, and they have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. I had them on, and because of that, those episodes in particular, uh, those episodes were labeled as being dangerous. They had dangerous misinformation in them. The problem I have with the term misinformation, especially today, is that many of the things that we thought of as misinformation just a short while ago are now accepted as fact. Like, for instance, eight months ago, if you said, if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID and you can still spread COVID. 
you would be removed from social media. They would, they would ban you from certain platforms. Now that's accepted as fact. If you said, I don't think cloth masks work, you would be banned from social media. Now that's openly and repeatedly stated on CNN. If you said, I think it's possible that COVID-19 came from a lab, you'd be banned from many social media platforms. Now that's on the cover of Newsweek. All of those theories that at one point in time were banned were openly discussed by those two men that I had on my podcast that have been accused of dangerous misinformation. I do not know if they're right. I don't know because I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I'm just a person who sits down and talks to people and has conversations with them. Do I get things wrong? Absolutely. I get things wrong, but I try to correct them. Whenever I get something wrong, I try to correct it because I'm interested in telling the truth. He says he's interested in telling the truth. James, I got to I got to admit something to you. I've never once listened to a Joe Rogan podcast. I know he's big, I know he's the best. I know he has mastered the long interviews so called. <laughs> like Jordan Peterson just tweeted, you know, four freaking hours. That was the direct quote from his tweet, you know, that he just he just did an interview with Rogan. I don't know. I mean, sometimes the rundown goes like 2 hours and I'm exhausted afterwards and I'm not even doing all the talking. Um, he does four hour interviews, five hour. I don't know. First of all, I don't have time to consume this stuff, but good on him, James, for, for at least standing his ground and saying, look, these guys are experts. What's your problem? You know, and it's, that's a very good point. I myself have never listened to a Joe Rogan, uh, you know, episode on, on anything. I might listen to a clip here and there if it's shared with me, but I don't actively seek it out. But the fact that here's a comedian, right? He is a comedian. That's how he got his start. There's a comedian out there um, who used to be big in the 1990s on television, uh, basically asking a series of questions, asking a series of questions in order to understand uh, what's going on. We came to a complete halt in 2020 over certain uh, information that was given to us about the spread of, uh, you know, the virus. And uh, there's been so many conflicting uh, voices out there, including the person who's supposed to be in charge of seeing us through this, you know, Dr. Fauci, right? Um, And it's natural to question when there are different opinions coming from the same person, not just once or twice, but every other week, there seemed to be conflicting information. What Joe Rogan has done is to bring that confusion out into the forefront on his podcast to say, hey, yeah. you know, we're, we're hearing all these reports. We're conflicted. I don't know what's right. You know, hey, Mr. Person with all these letters after your name, what do you have to say? What's your opinion? Mm-hmm. And what the mainstream is telling us is um, we can't have this discussion in the open. They yeah, want- you're not allowed to ask these questions. Right. And, that, and, that's, yeah. and that's why, you know, Spotify has taken fire and Neil Young and, and some other <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. totally irrelevant boomers have tried to remove their content. From Neil Spotify. Young's actually a little bit significant, not because of any importance to any of his music, but Pfizer actually owns his music. They own the Wait, is that real? I saw that as a tweet and I just thought that was a joke. It's not a meme. I thought it was, thought it was fake. It's no. actually- oh my gosh. Pfizer, Pfizer is that real? Come on. Music. Yep. How does Pfizer own Neil Young's music? He sold out to them a couple of years ago. It's a company that Pfizer's in a, I forget, it's like a subsidiary company of Pfizer that basically bought the rights to his, his music. So they own the copyright on it. Why aren't people reporting this? Like, literally, why are you launching frivolous lawsuits on on little small town basement podcasters and not reporting on <laughs> Pfizer owning right, Neil Young's right. music? And Neil Young goes after 
Ah, oh, gee whiz, you can't even make Because you have to protect the little legendary of Christ who's writing articles who's making his living just <laughs> saying, saying whatever right. he wants. That's you gotta protect right. You him. Gotta, you gotta him. protect Father don't, Schneider. Don't ever Schneider. mention right. him in your exactly. anti-jab oh. stuff. On that here's note, my, though. Here's my fear, though, Ryan, because I don't want to necessarily like jump on the Rogan bandwagon because, A, yeah, I, know that, I know that he's a profaner. Uh, you know, he's a blasphemer. I know that he's, you know, he's not one of us. I think he's a Bernie bro. I've heard nothing but, yeah, I've heard very mixed reviews. So I don't necessarily want to say, oh, you know, Joe Rogan is telling the truth just because he hosted two controversial people. I also don't want to go so far and say, he's controlled opposition and he's a Freemason and this is all, you know, this is all political theater and all this stuff. I think he's a guy who has found a niche to make a lot of money uh, and he makes a ton of money and Spotify is going to back him because dollars uh, make sense. I, I, is that, uh, is that a fair read on the situation? I think it is. Frankly, I've watched a couple of Joe Rogan podcasts and nothing more. I watched his, um, his interview with Elon Musk, which is a really famous interview in terms of podcast interviews, uh, gave me the willies about Musk, actually, after that. I, I knew it was bad news, but after that, it was like, wow, really bad news. Uh, I've seen a couple of other of his interviews. Rogan, you know, like a lot of you know people in the spotlight, he's definitely on the left. He's not one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether or not he's controlled opposition, I don't know. The fact is, anybody could be. And, like, I'm convinced that Alex Jones is controlled opposition, frankly, when he mm-hmm. can down um, you know, because any reports on stuff that might be legitimate, you can never talk about it again. Because Alex, in, in the scientific community, because Alex Jones just said that, uh, you know, certain aerosolized injections are turning the frogs uh, to the other team. So, gotta gotta watch my YouTube band words here. So, I mean, Rogan, it's like any media figure that's out there, you take it for what it's worth. Yeah. That, you know, this voice is kind of communicating information. Do they have a bias? Yes, they do. Could they be controlled opposition? Absolutely, they could be. And, you know, so you just take the information, you evaluate it, you fact check it yourself, you look into it, you research it. You don't take anyone at face value, no matter how much you like them. And really, that should go for us, too. We say something and we're wrong. Don't believe it just because we said it. Fact check it, look into it, you know, on your own. Don't trust anyone implicitly without looking into it a little bit yeah exactly and unlike uh some people will issue a retraction if we say if we get something wrong uh brother uh milo did go on joe rogan uh as as dxv515 is uh reporting in the chat uh milo had some interesting things to say when he went on joe rogan's show i believe he did i believe he uh admitted being at a particular party in which he witnessed himself adults and minors getting together to do the uh the illegal in a sense and, and explicitly said that he wasn't going to reveal any names and uh, it would be indiscreet to reveal names and the people that i don't know if they hired him made him an employee call him a contributor or whatever a daily contributor um they just have to say oh he's a comedian oh he's british so he gets a pass um that's disgusting to be honest that they would that would pass that as, as like an acceptable lie that they can say anything they he's, want he's british and therefore it's okay for him to use atrocious language and to be hanging around pedos and 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 the, the most despicable people and you don't even have to look into it because he's british is that what I mean, they're I'm, saying i'm friends with some british people and they do none of those things um i have no idea what they're talking about and, and how that's even excusable that's, that's really an insult to, to all of the, all of those in the united kingdom or in england or whatever else um, yeah wow 
All right. Well, that's a that's a weird uh, little detour. Uh, since we're talking about COVID, uh, I want you to see my former mayor when I lived in Los Angeles, Mayor Eric Garcetti. Uh, he said this about uh, how he uh, holds his breath. Uh, when he removes his mask so that everyone is around him is safe. And I, when people ask for a photograph, I hold my breath and I put it here and people could see that. Isn't that so considerate? That's so considerate. Uh, Fauci now saying six-month-olds need to get the jab. And the original data that was put forth, it looked like the dose and the regimen for the children who were six months to 24 months worked well. But it turned out that the other dose, namely the other group from 24 months to four years, did not yet reach the level of non-inferiority. So the studies are continued. It looks like it will be a three-dose regimen. Uh, somebody just said, I, w- I hope Fauci holds his breath for five minutes. I think that's a pretty funny comment, Ryan. <laughs> oh, Ryan, you're muted. You're muted, Ryan. Anyone notice that the gal is doing the sign language? It almost looks like she's doing this. <laughs> that's that's all I saw, actually. That's all I was looking at. That's all I saw. That was very distracting. So he wants us. He wants us to start jabbing our our small children. Here's here's a mom uh, who posted on TikTok. This is how you know. You know, I know that Twitter is the devil, and it's from the devil, and it's the devil's playground, but. But the spawn of the devil, like, you know, the, the, the antithesis of the, you know, the anti-triune nature of the devil with like Satan and bullies above and Lucifer. Um, TikTok is that. <laughs> and this and this woman is on that platform. My son is going to be two in September and I want him to get used to wearing a mask. I need tips on getting your child to wear. Junior. I've just been having him wear it around the house. James, I've had my not quite two-year-old son wearing a mask around the house so I can normalize child abuse, so I can get him used to child abuse. You know, and I posted about it on TikTok. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really demonic there, you know. I'm and looking at her, I can kind of tell she's a person, if that's a she, that would have all the other uh, pronouns after her name. Um, I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine. One never yeah. knows if it's a she. <laughs> well, no, yeah, exactly. In this day and age, you know, but I, you know, the, the fact that people who call themselves parents are doing this to their children, you know, uh, but these are the same ones who give their pets a lot more liberty, a lot more freedom, a lot more love and care than their actual offspring. Um, mm-hmm. And this is the degeneracy of our society. You know, we we treat children like slaves, and then we elevate, uh, you know, the souls of those animals. We turn them into human beings. Very inverted, very uh, demonic. Yeah, it is. And uh, as as some people in the chat are saying, we're made in the image of God. Masks are demonic. Brother Martin, uh, I've been saying for a long time, and the one time I got in trouble on YouTube was I was talking about masks early on before you were allowed to talk about masks. (laughs) And I was saying that it was covering the image of God and that it's the inversion of the incredible devotion to the holy face, which is show us thy face, O Lord, and we will be saved. The inversion prayer to that uh, in the anti-religion is mask from us thy face, O citizen, or we will be infected. Um, <laughs> we still, I, I, I contend, I saw a tweet today from um, a mutual friend of ours, Ari, on Twitter, in which he said, 
just like how the Japanese 50 years after the war still had holdouts on random islands thinking that the war was still going and they, you know, they were hold, clutching their rifles and ready to shoot Americans. I think five or 10 or 50 years from now, we're still going to have people clutching their masks for their own so-called safety. Sure. Um, it's absolutely a possibility. Especially, I mean, I guess I grew up in the in the two thousands or whatever, and so I saw like a lot of Asians being careful about SARS and all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, I know particularly Asians uh, have this as have the sensitivity. Um, but I think it has been ingrained now into the progressive uh, political platform, the progressive ideology, to be careful about these things because it has become a religion. You, you don't just drop a religion um, for nothing. And so I think you're right in, in that we will see little holdouts of people demanding masks or or people demanding. Um, vaccine passports in this in, in the sense that they 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 want to check your ide- ideology before you do business with them, or you want to they want to check your ideology before you go do that with them, um, either or. So I, I think it now what's what's really uh, becoming listed or legal is is kind of so, uh, a political slash religious discrimination, um, and that now it's it's perfectly okay for the left to discriminate against you if you don't ascribe to a, a, a certain ideology. Um, mm-hmm. and so we got to use, be used to, I guess, uh, getting up and leaving a certain restaurant if they don't accept us or getting up and leaving a certain store if they don't accept us and, and, and going elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so we had a weird, uh, Twitter, uh, phenomenon happen this week and it was Fred nation. It was Fred tastic. <laughs> it was Fred delicious. Um, we were all Fred at one point, uh, there's a there's a certain Twitter account, Fred Simon TLM, and uh, he has he has more than ten thousand followers, and he's one of the he's one of the best tweeters on Catholic Twitter. Uh, he came under attack this week on on the Bird app, and many people were blocking him. I think he got added to a list of rad trads, and a bunch of liberals were blocking him. He makes his debut with us today for the first time on the rundown. I want to welcome Fred. To the program. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank is. you so much. It's my honor to be here, and welcome to Fred Nation. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I think this is an historic Fredcast. It is. It really is. It's the, it's the first of many. And uh, well, I, we're happy to have you. Tell us what happened to you this week. Well, I I went viral. Don't know how it happened, but uh, it started when I posted. Um, some tweets about some Jesuits that uh, had blocked me on Twitter. And uh, it took off from there. And uh, people started making memes. And of course, I make some memes myself every now and then. I don't do <laughs> Photoshop, of course, as you can tell from the things I post. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing went viral. It's just, it's a phenomenon. I just don't understand it myself. But I'm proud to be part of it. Well, we're well. We're happy to have you. You don't have to disclose your location, but I do believe that you live in one of the one of the more communist states. How are you coping with the communism that you're living under right now, Fred? Well, I escaped uh, one communist state, and I came up here, and I have a farm, and uh, I'm, you know, we're pretty uh, removed from all those things going on in the city, so uh, we have a small trad. Catholic community here, which is phenomenal. I attend the traditional Latin mass. Um, and we're doing fine up here. You know, I, I got away from 
all the nonsense in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, we're loving it up here. As you can see from the things I post, I'm, I'm uh, renovating my house. It's an old farmhouse. It's 150 years old. Um, and we just love it here. So it doesn't wow. really affect us. Well, that's good. And that that's, that's, um, I think that's, that's the right uh, mentality. Fred, I want to do one story with you and and then we'll let you go. Cause I know your Eastern time zone and, and it's getting later okay. for you. Um, this happened this week, this strange thing. Correct. There's a priest of the, of the fraternity of St. Peter. His name is father James Maudsley. Right. And he's formerly of the fraternity of St. Peter. And uh, he left, he left this week. Um, he was ordained um, into the FSSP. He was, I think, held captive for over a year uh, in Burma. Uh, he was a political prisoner. He was uh, so he's he's a man who has no stranger to suffering. I want to go around the horn. All four of you kind of sound off on. He put out a video. Um, I think I have. I didn't upload the video, so I'll I'll grab it after we sort of react to it, so you can get a sense of it. Michael Matt at the Remnant did an excellent piece on it, where he where he sort of showcases this British priest, who I don't know if he has a home right now, days after leaving the uh, being released from the FSSP. But supposedly the reason he left the FSSP, Brother Martin, we'll start with you, is so that he can oppose these illegal mandates coming from Rome against the traditional Latin Mass. Being in a community, he's between a, a rock and a hard spot in the sense that not only does he have uh, the mandates coming from Rome, but then he also has his immediate superiors who are telling him to respond in a particular way. And so if you don't like that which comes from Rome and you don't like that which comes from your superiors, well, you have to, in conscience, do what, respond how you, how you, how you must. Um, a lot of us think long terms, like we're in this to, to, get, to pass on the faith to the next generation. Uh, we're here because um, we've received the true faith. It's it's important to us. It's valuable enough to us that we leave uh, you know leave the world to accept this way of life to hand it on because it's that special. It's that important. I mean, we've we've fallen in love with our Lord Jesus Christ, and and when one does that, one wants to share it with others. It, it isn't sterile. It isn't just oh, I'm going to have it for myself and and keep it from everybody else. No, it goes and shares it. My Lord, our Lord said several times, you know, you don't light a lamp and hide it under your bed or under a bushel. You know, you, you put it on top of a hilltop. Um, so when, when, when your superiors, like in the FSSP, will tell you, oh, no, just keep it to yourself. We're just concerned about the, the, ex the continual existence of the community. Well, one didn't join the fraternity of St. Peter primarily for the fraternity of St. Peter. One joined the fraternity of St. Peter for the faith, for something right. else, something beyond the fraternity of St. Peter, something beyond right. the Institute of Christ the King. Something beyond the Society of St. Pius X, something beyond the actual community. And so when your com community uh, tells you, you know what, we're just concerned for our own particular survival. We're just concerned for our own laseity. We're only concerned for uh, living another day. At the end of the day, a priest has to say, you know, that's not what I answered. I didn't, I didn't enter the fraternity of St. Peter for the fraternity of St. Peter. I entered the fraternity of St. Peter for Almighty God, for love of him. And this is what, mm -hmm. what it's all about. If, if a priest is in the fraternity of St. Peter because of the fraternity of St. Peter, that priest will ultimately leave the priesthood because that, that, that isn't what a vocation is. If a priest is in the fraternity of St. Peter because he loves Almighty God, then, then he'll be faithful in his vocation. But mm. what, 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 what the fraternity of St. Peter, in a sense, is asking of their priests and, and just complying and just you know, following the rules and just being concerned for, the, for, for their own 
particular existence in their community, they're going to destroy their priests. Um, so I, I, I applaud yeah. this, this priest for standing up. Standing what, up have you, what have you seen, Fred, uh, just kind of in, in the traditional world, um, you know, between the, the various orders? What do you think of Father Maudsley uh, having to, in his mind, having to leave the fraternity in order to speak the truth? It's, it's a shame. Uh, I do applaud him for speaking the truth, and we, we need more priests to do that. Um, that's why I applaud uh, Father Father Altman. I was blessed to be in his company twice, and I think he's a saint. Um, but you have to do what you have to do. Um, I'm a staunch supporter of the tra- traditional Latin Mass, and uh, I've always spoken out for it, and I always will. Uh, no matter what happens, no matter how much persecution comes, no matter how much pope or bishops or anyone else wants to uh stifle it and i also just want to say that this sunday in chicago 11 o'clock at the holy name cathedral Mm -hmm. um there will be a rally for traditional catholics to um i wish cardinal supich a very prayerful sunday without the traditional latin mass he banned it and this Sunday will be the first Sunday that they will not be allowed. So yeah. it, if you can get there, Chicago, 11 o'clock, and wish um, Cardinal Stupich all the best, and please do it for the Fred Nation. I can't be there, but <laughs> all the uh, Fredites, uh, I encourage you all to get out there. The question is, will the Fred Nation show up in force in Chicago? Um, and. You know, Supich was recently, James, he just tweeted how he was giving a talk in, was he in Austria or Croatia or somewhere? somewhere Croatia. Where he was giving a talk Croatia. On tradition. Right. Give me a talk about tradition, James. Is he trolling us? You know, somebody made the very, uh, very apt connection between, uh, the, you know, the root word, uh, tradere, meaning uh, to hand down, to hand over. So in one aspect, you have somebody, a traitor, who is basically, you know, going against right reason. And then you have people who are trying to guard tradition, who are trying to basically make it prosperous for the future. Those who are, you know, going to be receiving it, right? So handing down to those who are coming after them. And... Mr. Sorry, I said Mr. I'm not a say that I promise. Um, <laughs> Cardinal <laughs> Cardinal Supich, <laughs> Cardinal Supich, in his um, very very troll-like nature, posted a picture. Um, you know, basically saying uh, he gave a talk on tradition, and I couldn't believe it. It was very well played. You know, because he's gaslighting us. He knows exactly what he's doing, and um, you know, true to his nature as a little imp, you know, he just can't resist. But to poke, poke, to poke those traditionalists, um, and it's unfortunate because um, he doesn't realize, in this sense, that the more he pokes at us, the more resolved in our minds and hearts, you know, we True. are absolutely, yeah, uh, you know, to basically see this fight through. Whether it is we're dropping our knees or we're going out, like uh, Fred said, to Chicago to show that force, you know, behind us, not just in person, but you know, we we have. Uh, basically the church, you know, in all its years and all her years, you know, uh, standing up for tradition 
the tradition cannot die out. It's impossible for it to die out. And so we might have the last laugh. Supic might have the first laugh or the first yeah. smirk. But okay. uh, certainly Almighty God is going to win this out. Ryan, I have a I have a two part question for you on this segment. Uh, we're still talking about Father James Maudsley, who uh, here formerly of the FSSP, who believed he needed to lead the frat in order to speak the truth. Fred brought up the uh, the confrontation of church leaders in Chicago. The Pope was recently confronted in person. I'll play the video and then you can answer the question. Do you think? that we need more of this? Should we, as the laity, be like the Canadian truckers rising Absolutely. up and confronting brat, bad prelates like this man who says to the Pope, quote, God rejects you? Abbiamo sentito alcuni minuti fa una persona che gridava, sgridava, che aveva qualche problema. Ryan, he's escorted out um, and he's quoting the creed. He's reciting the creed. Is that what we need to be doing? Should we be carried out of our churches reciting the creed? Absolutely. It's one of those things that, well, the Holy Father himself encouraged something similar to this uh, when he was uh, for, <laughs> uh, first elected. He said, Aguinaldo, make a mess, right? Um, there, there's a sense of becoming ungovernable. And that's one of the things that you have to do against tyranny, um, especially in a, in a situation where there, there's such a force of arms in the state and the banksters who control the state and so many things. So, and the same thing in the church too, where realistically speaking, we do not have any authority. We do not have any power. And, you know, all we have is our voice and our God-given reason and the, you know, and the will to stand up to even when tyranny is in the church. And you see that uh, people stood up against bishops in the past, people stood up against popes during the Renaissance uh, to greater or lesser success. And so uh, you think of back, I look at this guy and the, immediately what I think about is in the fourth century, a certain uh, bishop in Constantinople named Nestorius got up and started, got up to the, uh, the pulpit and started preaching that the Blessed Virgin Mary did not give birth to God to Christ, she gave birth merely to his human nature, because a creature can't really be the uh, the mother of her own her own creator, right? That would be ridiculous. Well, sure enough, right? As he's spouting all this heresy, a man named some unnamed man, unknown man named Eusebius, that's a name like Smith or John or whatever back in those days. So he gets up and he says, "So, uh, so whoever heard of a woman giving birth to a nature, right?" And everyone laughed. And Nestorius got mad. He doubled down. 
right now is the beginning of the events that led up to the Council of Ephesus, where Nestorius was condemned, of course. But, you know, you see that what's the first thing remembered about Nestorius is a member of the laity standing up and mocking him, essentially, as he's mm -hmm. preaching heresy. So I, I think we need a lot more of that. And that's one thing is that you have so many cardinals, you know, they, they're, they're, they're faithless, they don't have courage. Um, some of them have a little bit, but just not enough. And they're just sitting there, you know, it, but if they knew they had the faithful behind them, there are cardinals that probably would say at least do something. Even if they're not 100% trad, they're not, you know, on our side on everything, there, there would be a lot more resistance in the hierarchy to Francis if they knew for a fact the lady was behind them. The lady wasn't all completely asleep. So I think the more public displays on this, uh, the more resistance, the more courage that people higher up are going to get. That, that's just kind of my view on it. Just like I said about the Milgram experiment, the guys who watched the uh, the teachers in the experiment say, no, I'm not going to press the electrical shock button, that the lethal uh, shock, right? Because they, they literally believe there's a guy on the other side being shocked. They didn't know it was recording. And yeah. they said, I will not press that button. And they walked out. And everybody who saw that, there was a higher percentage of people who did the same thing. When that didn't happen, more people went along. <laughs> Um, Fred, close us out on this segment and, uh, and, and, you know, God bless you for, for staying up late and, and joining the stream. What does it say about the fraternity of St. Peter? If one of her priests, one of the orders priests feels like he has to leave, you know, in order to, in order to, uh, oppose what he believes to be the illegal sanctions against the Latin masses. Is this? Do you think others will do the same? Do you think he's the first to start a movement? Do you think he's the man in Tunisia who set himself on fire starting the Arab Spring? Are we about to witness, Fred Simon, are we about to witness the traditionalist spring because of Father Maudsley? Uh, I think we are, yes. I mean, it's a sad state of affairs. However, this is uh, the times we live in, and we need people with spine. I think the Canadian truckers have spine. I think we Catholics have to have spine. We have to stand up and, and, and tell the truth. We have to confront the bishops, the cardinals, the Pope. We have to stand up for our Catholic church. But I mean, that's all we have. The bottom line, nothing else matters except eternally, except our own salvation. And the only way for us to get there is through Jesus Christ and his Catholic Church. If we're going to run and hide, then, you know, that's not what Jesus commanded us. So like I said in my uh, my Twitter bio, I have nothing to lose but my soul. And, you know, that's the same thing for everyone else. No matter what, we just have to get to heaven. And I believe that the uh, traditional mass is the way to do it. I applaud all of Catholic priests that stand up, I know they'll, they'll be canceled, like Father Altman, um, like other canceled priests. But yeah, that's what we have to do. And I think it's up to the laity to do it, because the priests get canceled. I mean, the priests have to answer to their bishops. It's up to the laity. We really have to make a movement ourselves. Okay, The Canadian truck has proved it. And so us Catholics have to do the same thing. We have to stand up. We have to go into the marketplace. We have to construct, you know, we have to pray on the cathedral steps. We have to march around the cathedrals like I did with Father Altman last year in Newark, um, right under Carl, Cardinal Tobin's window. We prayed the Angelus, we prayed the Rosary. 
That's what people need to do. We mm -hmm. all have to do this. We cannot afford to sit back and, and say, oh, it's someone else's responsibility, it's not mine. No, we are called, we are living in this time and we are called to do it. Every cat, single Catholic is called to do it. Um, well, well said. Um, if you're on the Bird app and you don't follow at Fred Simon TLM, you, you need to. Look, he's assembled a posse. I see Bug Hall, Taylor Marshall. I think I even see a member of the rundown there. I see Father Dave. Is that Father Bro Nick? Scandalous. Brother James? Brother James is yes, a, no, Father Nick. <laughs> Father Nick is a um, supporting member. Is he a, <laughs> has he been Fred yeah. pilled? We got to get Father Nick Fred pilled. Well, Absolutely. You know what? I, I Father Nick is a friend of mine, and he's part of the Fred Nation. Whether or not he says it on the Bird app or whatever. He <laughs> all right, all right, good to know. Good Everyone to know. needs to be part of Fred. Fred, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank God you. bless you, and you. Uh, and have a good evening. Thank you so much. All right, sir. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> All right, so we had uh, we've had two guests come in and out of the of the rundown. I don't think we've ever done that before. No, this is new territory. I think we can we can almost create like a call in show where we start to do segments with people. I think people would like that. Ooh, maybe well, next we gotta have next we gotta have Fauci. We can have Fauci for a segment. Yeah, we can have Fauci for a segment. So I want to fly. I want to fly around the world now uh, for the next part of the show. I have a video from France, one from Poland, one from Australia, two from Australia, and one from China. Let's go to China now. This is. Uh, did you know that the Olympics are happening? I didn't even know that the Olympics were happening because there's so much other news to follow. Apparently, there are some Olympics happening in China, and if you order a drink there at the bar, this is how you're served this is what? like pharmaceuticals like what is this what are you putting in my drink you can't even smell it is that is that like for dietrich like stuff what's going on there <laughs> i don't have, i don't even know what to do with that in australia there's a trusted digital identity bill working its way through their parliament. Let's be blunt. The so-called trusted digital identity bill represents a watershed moment in Australian history. We stand at the divide between a free personal enterprise future and a digital surveillance age. If nothing is done to stop this bill, government will sit in the middle of every interaction Australians have with each other and with the world. And it achieves this in the same way China does by creating a digital identity that forms a central part of a person's life. You can call it a license to live. What began with COVID contact tracing, vaccine passports and QR check-ins will soon be formalized by an inescapable digital identity. It signals the complete end of consumer privacy, the end of citizen anonymity and the beginning of a big brother digital age that treats the people of Australia as products rather than free human beings. The government intends to build a complete digital record of every Australian to be shared and used. Our medical history, our shopping preferences, who we associate with, whether our choices are really so-called green, social security, veteran services, travel records, website viewing, employment status, and social media comments. Everything will go on the record 
and be available to any large corporation that can pay for access. All of this orchestrated by a federal liberal nationals government who proudly but distortingly call it a human-centric digital identity. Ryan, if you were to say that this was happening in any developed uh, first world country in the world, if you were to say that this was happening one year ago, you would be smeared by the likes of Steve Skojek as being a conspiracy theorist. You're just a hyperventilating conspiracy theorist. It's literally passing through Parliament now, the digital identity (laughs) bill. Well, I was talking about this a year ago and two years ago, and other people awake to these kind of things where... I don't know about Skojek. I sent him a DM. I'm not going to talk about him other than uh, what I've sent him privately. So, but but really, that that is where it's going. We've talked about this on the rundown since last year. That where it's all going, CBDC, central bank digital currency. Why do they need a green pass? Why do they need a jab passport, as it were? It's because they need to have a vehicle for putting all that information in one place. Your your health pass. And so, it, because ultimately it's, it, it, and it's going to come in with the climate change nonsense and everything else that is the man-made climate change nonsense, because what do they attack? Carbon. And one, t- one more time, zero carbon means genocide. Uh, zero carbon, you know, when they attack carbon, they are attacking human life. It is that simple. In the guise of, if we don't stop this, we'll end human life, which is nonsense. It's not true. So... All, all of these things, it, it, now it's allowed to be talked about, of course, because now they're going to roll it out. And it's going to be the trial phase. It's exactly like what happened in China when they first rolled out Sesame Credit. And nobody believed it was really going to matter. But lo and behold, all of a sudden, their, their, their loans, their bank information, their, their ability to buy tickets on, the, on the, the subways was dependent on their Sesame Credit. And they didn't even know this thing existed until it was rolled out one day. Um, China has always been the incubation center for all the stuff that the globalists and the, the banksters and whoever else, Davos, G8, what they want everywhere, they test it in China first. And so David Rockefeller was in China before Henry Kissinger. And when I first heard that, I was like, well, that's ridiculous. When I started looking into that, I was like, wow, that, that's actually true. He was there opening up contracts for American companies and turning China into a technocracy. And he was making the contracts with the, the, the successors of Mao, the, the immortals, as they're called. And they established that whole process leading up. Everything they did was leading up to a technocratic system of social credit. And once it was in, you couldn't get it out. That's just the way it worked. So that's where we're going now. And they're going to be greenlighting this all around the world, starting you know, in Australia, which has shown, unfortunately, you know, the government shown the will. We're going to make this happen in spite of a great number of protests, and, and I'm sure a number of our Australian friends in the chat um, have been a part of protests or know people who are protesting. But um, you know, but they're going to ram it through anyway. Or New Zealand, where everybody basically complied, at least as far as we know. Uh, if you're from New Zealand and you got other info, you know, send it to us so we can be uh, informed on that. But that's where it's going to start. Europe, uh, like um, Monday Radio was on the podcast last week, talking about how in Germany and other places, most people wear masks. They buy into it. So I think there's a lot of plays, a lot of dominoes that are going to fall to this system. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I, you know, I think to, to the folks who say, uh, James, that the, the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I understand the sentiment. I think it's well-intentioned. But I believe that the mark of the beast is actually going to be more of a digital mark, maybe an implantable, something that involves the financial system, something that involves your digital ID, 
something like what they're doing in Australia. I think the vaccine was an intermediary step to get there. First, the government has established their right to inject something into your body. The next step is that they inject something digital into your body, which then uh, becomes the mark. Um, why is that? First of all, that's so react to that. But also going back to our discussion last week when we had Peter on from the UK, uh, it seems like the crown countries are just on the leading edge of this tyranny. You're absolutely right. And as Ryan uh, has said, this has been something that we've been um, rolling down the hill towards for a, a long time. It's just uh, 2020 was the year that everything started to come into focus. Uh, we were wondering for a while, how, how would they get something into us? And it seemed so incredulous at the time that uh, governments would be conspiring to do something like this. And people thought it would never happen. Um, and of course, you're absolutely right. You know, the vaccine is not uh, the mark of the beast per se, but it is that intermediary step, you know, and there might be one or two others before we arrive at what the, what the mark is. But the idea that they break us down uh, in many ways uh, so that we become used to the idea of them having access to our bodies, you know, the, right now they've gotten a high percentage of people to comply with uh with with that very idea you know and it, it, it might it might get worse actually it will get worse before it gets uh you know a, a better but we we're not people are um happy to be uh given this brief respite from uh whatever the government has in store for us but sure enough you know the end goal is to give us that digital implant and it's coming whether or not it's happening uh next month next year you know, that's definitely where, where we're headed and we can't let up, you know, yeah. so we, keep, we have to keep fighting, uh, you know, uh, tooth and nail to, to keep them away from us. And, uh, you know, whether or not the vaccine is, is it, I believe it's not, uh, but it's certainly that first step. And people say, people like uh, Chernovich are saying, well, you know, it's a, it's a good thing. To, you know, you don't have to lose your job. You can take the vaccine. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah, but what These this is doing—it's <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. But what this is doing is it's giving uh, the governments the, uh, you know, the very, the, you know, the very uh, uh, thing they need to to keep pursuing us, to keep insisting, you know. So we have to fight tyranny, and this tyranny starts with uh, resisting this very first step toward that yeah. digital implant, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, what yeah. this vaccine is. I think, Brother Martin, a lot of people are focused on, you know, eschatology because the times are just so dark now anyway. But, <laughs> um, you know, and, and and there's always like a foreshadowing and and uh, and a prefiguring. You know, it's it's scriptural, you know, how the Old Testament prefigures the new in so many ways. Right. Um, I think what James is saying is right, that the that the shot is a prefigurement of the of the mark of the beast. Uh, what say you? To be honest, to be absolutely blunt, you can get in a car crash tomorrow and die. So what does all of this matter to you, to any anybody listening? What really matters? I is knew that, you were going to say that. I knew that was going to be your answer. It's true. You don't know when your personal time is going to end. You don't know when our Lord is going to call you home. I know. I know <laughs> that. I realize that. But as far as I know, I need to plan for the future. It's Why true. can't I be practical, Brother Martin? Why can't I be practical and plan for the future? You can but you can do both. You can you can plan for the future. But here, here's the thing. So you just don't care about the mark? Wait. I'll be honest. Mike, you're you're the financial whiz. 
you have the ability to tell people, you know, financially, this, this is what you should do to prepare for the future. Me, I'm a monk. I, I don't know money at all. I don't, cause I've never had it. I've never had the responsibility to own it. I, I just, I've never had any, like I've never, I can show you my banks. I've never had any, all I've had is, 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 is trust in God's providence to provide. Uh, to do what he's called me to do. I know, but we're not, and, and, we're not just talking about the money. We're talking about <laughs> the mark of the beast. I mean, don't you care about the mark of the beast? Don't you? Okay, let me ask it this way. Don't okay. you want to know what the mark of the beast is so that when the mark of the beast gets distributed, you can be like, yeah, no thanks. Um, Sure, but at the, at the, at the same time, if the mark of the, uh, of the beast were to, to be distributed, I would say no thanks. Only because, because... uh. I would be pursuing virtue so much that the mark of the beast, whatever, however they were presenting it, would be simply it would be immoral. And so, ba- basically, by by, by me ha- ha- having the prudential judgment to discern whether this is immoral or this is not immoral, I would be able to already know uh, that I shouldn't take it, and whether it's officially the mark of the beast. And once this doesn't matter, all you need to know is whether it's immoral or immoral. If it's immoral, don't take it. I mean, what does it matter if it's the mark of the beast? If it's immoral, don't take it. Um, sure, as, right. eschatologically, at the end of the day, if it's the mark of the beast, that, that means something in, in the big picture. But we don't live in, necessarily in the big picture. We live in the here and now. And so the decisions that we, we need to make for our lives and for our families are in the here and now. And whether something is immoral that's, or immoral, that's it's immoral. So boring. <laughs> it is boring, boring. Brother Martin. It's just, <laughs> time to just obsess over the third secret and the, and, the, and the world wars and what may come and all that. Is it? Oh, wait, you're right. We have to focus on spiritual life. Ryan, uh, last <laughs> word on Mark of the Beast. Muted. I do not think the jab or the uh, or a microchip going into you or other things like that will be the Mark of the Beast. I do think that the, the technocratic planners and uh, Davos and all these groups, I really do think that they are paying attention to what it says in Scripture, and they are – you know, taking these details into consideration it's like when you see them embed 666 into things, mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, all these types of imagery get in places because they are paying attention to the eschatology and they're putting the signs in. But really, these are all forerunners to what the mark of the beast will be. And it's one of those things that just like when Christ came, there were prophecies in the Old Testament. The Jews read those prophecies. They knew those prophecies. Christ came and they rejected him. And yet it, it's so clear when you read uh, the, in the New Testament, the, the apostles and Christ himself quote the Old Testament to prove that he is the, the, the anointed of God, the one who has come to fulfill everything. And then you're like, wow, now I get it. But, uh, you know, in, in looking at the Old Testament prophecies, you wouldn't say, yeah, and it, you wouldn't you have all the specific details of it. You'd only know that after. Now you can put it together. So it's the same type of thing. When the mark of the beast comes, there will be you know signs accompanying. There's other ones that you get in uh, um, in scripture, as well as in the church fathers that that will be coming about. That you'll be able to tell. Okay, now this is really serious business. This may be it. Um, and so, it, but you won't really know till after it comes about that this thing is the mark of the beast. You'll be able to put it together. Like, hey, we are right in those times right now. Here's the Antichrist pushing this stuff. And the Antichrist, too, he's not going to be an idiot like Biden. He's not going to be a clown like Obama. He's not going to be blackface Trudeau or Klaus Schwab, who looks like a Bond villain or all these types of people. It's not going to be Bill Gates and his weaselly little voice. It's not going to be Elon Musk, the cooler, hipper version of Bill Gates. It's going to be someone that that 
the whole planet comes together to say this guy is you know every religion's going to look at him as like the the the, the you know, some messiah figure of their religion and it's going to be so overwhelming the entire world's going to be getting behind this guy well by it, by by that measure alone we know pope francis is not the antichrist right despite what you see on catholic twitter by the way um <laughs> french football ecclesiastical football what the heck is happening here This is the new religion. I don't know. I, I think someone told me that what was said was I'm worthy to be a bishop because I like football or something to that effect. Um, I didn't actually hear those words said. Um, I don't know what that was. Let's move on. Poland. <laughs> Let's go to Poland. You know, one of the things about Poland is we think they're so base. And they are. But every base nation has its demons. And sometimes demons bark like dogs. <laughs> I love the TFP and I love what they do. I love what they stand for, um, especially like the South American TFP that like, you know, went to the streets and fought communists rather than just ha holding banners. But what I don't understand is why they're playing bagpipes in Poland. I was going to say, are these, are these Irish, Polish people? I mean, what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It that doesn't make sense. But I do love the TFP. I love the banners. I love the suits. I love the, I love everything about it. Um, Poland is, Ryan, I, I had an interview with a with a PhD in Poland um, like in, like a year ago, where he was saying, "Look to the West, you know, Poland looks so so great, but really the conservatives have a very slim majority here, and we're just trying to pass as much as we can uh, while we're while we're in power. So it's not so great. Uh, I mean, it's better than here, obviously, but uh, it looks like it looks like there are plenty of demons there." If I looked at those two groups of people and I didn't know anything, say, you know, it's from a whole different country and religion, I just looked at the one group and the other, I'd have to say that the alphabet people uh, were behaving in a manner that I would have considered that these guys are possessed by demons. These other guys are just sitting here playing music and trying to give some message. And that's, that's how I'd look at it if I was completely, you know, objective bystander, not connected with, uh, you know, the Catholic side of that. So, I mean, and yeah. just looking at that with Catholic faith, it's it's like it's horror for where those people are. They they're so deep that they're they're behaving in a manner that's absolutely irrational, uh, or demonically driven, one or the other. Just like what in the world? Um, I don't know enough about Poland to make commentaries on Poland. I've just heard things similar to like what the the, the, the um, you talked to said. Mm -hmm. So I know in in Austria it was interesting that the people who were radically on the left. And this is 20 years ago, but the people who were radically on the left were very much so. They weren't like that, you know, college student that seems fairly normal, wants to vote for Bernie because she thinks that's cool. I mean, it, you don't have that kind of middle ground on the left in, in a lot of places in Europe. Yeah, I think that I think that's true. Um, I think that's very true. Brother Martin, in the Czech Republic, 9% of people 
in Bohemia identify as Roman Catholic. This is uh, this is the kingdom of good King Wenceslas, you know, one of the first kings of Bohemia. Interestingly enough, St. Wenceslas had to kill his own mother in battle to maintain his throne. And he's in heaven. Uh, the saints were based, <laughs> by the way. Um, you sure it wasn't his mother-in-law? <laughs> oh, was it his mother-in-law? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so brother, uh, 9% of Czechs are Catholic. I don't, uh, you know, it's a much higher percentage in Poland. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a decently high percentage in Hungary. But the faith is still collapsing around the world. And one of the things about Poland, too, not to knock on Poland. This is not an anti-Polish podcast by any stretch. I love the Poles. But they're very much attached to, like, the Polish language and the new mass liturgy. There's not as much Latin mass happening there as there is in the United States or in the Anglosphere. And... Now you see these demons in the streets and they're losing their grip on, on the country and they're becoming westernized. you think that's a coincidence? Well, Czech Republic, Poland is an interesting dynamic only because Eastern Europe has, has had their, the, bound, the lines of their boundaries redrawn over the, the past century several times in the sense that, uh, I mean, after World War II, Poland was re- redrawn so that the Eastern Orthodox became Russian and, and I mean, Poland suddenly got smaller. But also what was Czechoslovakia, what was a communist state, was was freed from the from the Eastern Bloc, uh, so to speak, and then became two countries: the Czech Republic and the, and, and Slovakia. And Slovakia was really where the, the huge, large Catholic population was, and the Czech Republic was where the large atheist population was. Um, so I'd really be interested to know when, whenever that break occurred, how how much already existed in that uh, northern part of the region, um, to where only nine percent of it now remains Catholic. Um, obviously nine percent is almost is, is literally nothing compared to what it should be um, since since Catholics have evangelized all of, all of Europe at one point um, but that is also uh, important to consider is is kind of the historical develop development um, of Czechoslovakia but regarding ar- around the world I mean the traditional Latin mass is obviously where where, where, they, where you find well I guess it's kind of half and half where you find a traditional Latin mass you need to find people that are just want the aesthetics, who want just incense, who want nice vestments, who want the riches of the world in, in, in their worship. And then you find others who are actually even willing to sacrifice the riches of the world in, in, in the way of, of celebrating the traditional Latin Mass underground in, in, in houses or et cetera um, without the splendor, but just want the faith. Um, and so yeah. I guess you have to kind of uh, differentiate the traditional Latin Mass movement in two different, two different sects in the sense of those who just want the the gold, the incense, the nice thuribles, uh, the the baroque vestments, et cetera, et cetera, for that, and those who actually just want want the faith, even if that means that they don't can't have the, the Gothic cathedrals or the Baroque cathedrals, uh, and so I think there really are tr- two traditional Latin Mass um, movements, um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, we have to kind of see how, how, that, how that plays out because of course no one's going to openly admit. Oh, I just want the aesthetics. I don't want the faith. No one's going to openly admit yeah. that. But I yeah, think yeah, um, yeah. as more and more pressure is going to be pushed push on us by the authorities, we'll, we'll find out who, who's on what side. So we've done Asia. Uh, we've, done, uh, we've done Europe. We haven't done the Mideast. This is a video out of Iran that was released, I think, by their state media. James, I'm going to look forward to your reaction to this one.
Okay, so uh, apparently they still think that Trump is uh, in the White House. I don't think that I don't think the Iranians have figured out that sleepy Joe Biden, fake Catholic usurper in chief, is there. That's that's a pretty funny video. I you know I didn't see that making the uh, the, the internet rounds, but uh, that video was what two years too late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that's a very interesting take. Um, Suleiman's murder or you know assassination, however you want to phrase it um you know was not as warranted as um you know what yeah i'm not even going to comment about what what i'm really what i'm really thinking oh <laughs> I'm, man i'm gonna i'm gonna pass no. on my on my on my commenting right now you're gonna I, you're I gonna punt on that that's trouble. fine uh they're showing ryan they're showing president trump he's hanging out in florida he's golfing he looks a little thin in that video i think they could have added a few cgi pounds to him and make him look real uh they're gonna send in a drone you know with laser guided you know to make sure that they get him or whatever this is the this is iran they haven't figured out who's the who's the president now uh, maybe this was a q production maybe the q people who still think that uh, that that uh, the trumpster is still calling the shots uh i don't know i i don't i really don't know what to make of this thing other than like this is one of those like aspirational, like I really wish I could do this, and this is what I would do if I could, but I'm I can't, so I won't kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know the provenance of the video. Somebody in the chat said it's an older video, so maybe it was made while Trump was still in the White House. Um, you know, I couldn't say. It, it actually, to me, it has an entirely different thing, though. Uh, there's a different message I get out of that, which is robotic warfare, and immediately I'm seeing this thing, this little digital thing eminently plausible looking and i'm thinking skynet i'm thinking you know terminator i robot or whatever it was uh, you know all these sorts of things and i'm just like um you know that we've been explored in science fiction and, and for good reason because you know the ability of weaponized uh robots is, is fairly terrifying actually uh somebody could take out a target they could malfunction and randomly kill someone uh, a drone strike come in your yard and just start shooting at your kids. I mean, it's it, incredible the potential for, uh, like we talked about, like why you wouldn't want to backpack in uh, Albania during in the, in the 90s because you're likely to step in a landmine because of all the wars and all the mines and all things like that. Um, the future, I mean, it's something a little video like that, irrespective of whatever about Trump and Suleimani and the the overarching political discourse. I'm thinking my kids playing in a literal man landmine as they try to go outside and an armed drone comes by, you know, uh, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a terrifying prospect to me. Yeah. I just felt like that was a good transition. I don't know. Yeah. That, that was a good transition to the unpopular. 
had nothing to do with what you said, Ryan, but we needed we needed a quick transition to the unpopular opinion segment where we go around the horn and we give our unpopular opinions. Uh, Ryan, you traditionally have gone first. Well, Steve traditionally went first, and then it was always Ryan. So he's not here. Ryan, you're next. <laughs> okay. Um, my unpopular opinion this week is that it's not necessary for everyone to get into debates about Vatican II, about the new mass. Not that nobody should, not that nobody should ever talk about it, not that you can't have opinions on it, but, you know, endless, I, endless debates on Fedbook and on Twitter and, and, and uh, you know, the Evil Bird app and all these things, um, they're not conducive to your spiritual life. And so I am, you know, I, my obligation is, a, a, to be a good Catholic, to believe everything that's been handed on by the tradition, always and everywhere believed and in the same sense, and again, too, to save my soul and save my family's soul and the best I can to save my neighbor's soul and to drink just short of the point of excess and to smoke uh, endless amounts of tobacco. That's, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that's my mission on earth, uh, and, and, you know, not to get into endless debates about Vatican II or the new mass. I haven't been to the new mass since 2007, except for a wedding once. I don't remember it well enough to realize why I hate it. I just remember I don't like it and I'm not going back to it, but um otherwise i'm not worried about it i'm more worried about what i love which is the tradition so so my unpopular opinion is many of the people that spend a lot of time on these issues don't need to be doing it not that they can't have opinions on it not that they can't ever read anything on it but they spend way too much time on the subject and we got to focus more on what we love which is the traditional mass and the traditional faith as we've received it throughout all of time so that's, that's my unpopular. Not that nobody should be doing it, just to be clear. Right. Some people should, but that many of the people who do probably shouldn't, at least to the extent that they do. Uh, and look at that hairless face, says David, on YouTube. <laughs> 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 uh, Brother Martin, unpopular opinion this week. Popular opinion. A lot of people have been saying, especially on the, the Bird app, um, you only need to focus on the beauty of the church of Latin mass to convert people, et cetera, et cetera. You don't need to worry about the faults in the Novus Ordo um, to bring them to the tradition, to bring them to the truth, et cetera. This is kind of an Eastern Orthodox position in the sense that they've never really sent monks to the New World, et cetera, like the, the Franciscans and Dominicans, the Augustinians did in the 1500s to, to evangelize the natives. Um, but this, this, this idea of just focusing on beauty I think on, on Peter Kreef's website, and Peter Kreef is, a, of course, a, a very famous uh, philosopher um, in the Catholic Church, teaches at Boston University, gives lots of lectures, very good lectures, um, writes lots of good books. Um, I've read many of his Socratic Logic, um, and he has a series, um, Socr uh, a conversation between Socrates and somebody else, uh, modern philosophy that kind of proves um, the truth. Um, but on his website... In, in proofs for the existence of God, one of them is beauty, and 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 in his argument, it's, it's it's very simple. It's it's either you see it or you don't. It's either you see it or you don't. Um, for Aquinas, for Aristotle, beauty is something that first requires you um, to order your passions to the truth. So it requires knowing the truth first to know that to order your passions to them to then to be able to see true beauty. But when you're taking a group of people who have, have not done that and try to show them beauty, it, it, it becomes a, a battle between 
True Beauty and Entertainment. Uh, something like a traditional Latin mass where it's solemn, where it's Gregorian chant, et cetera, et cetera. Or it's like, you know, you go to Novus Ordo, Novus Ordo mass with live team music, Chris Tomlin, et cetera, et cetera, where they go to the live team mass and they, and they sense excitement. They sense, uh, well, the same feelings that you would, you would feel going to a normal rock concert versus a traditional Latin mass where it's something more contemplative, more profound, something that can be enchanting. Um, but it's certainly not the same degree of, the excitement of the passion as you would as you would experience in the concert, so people would get confused as to what beauty really is. Is it something that gives me a, a, an adrenaline rush, or is it something that gives me a, a moment of pause um, before something actually beautiful? Um, and so this idea here, where oh, all you need to do is talk about the traditional and mass to convert people, it's not true because the reality is a lot of people aren't prepared for beauty. They aren't prepared to actually recognize beauty. A lot of people who are living lustful, sinful lives are not prepared to actually recognize beauty as such. And so if you say all we have to do is present to the world the, 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 the beauty of the traditional mass, it's not really going to con- convert that many people because that many people aren't prepared to recognize true beauty. Uh, so my unpopular opinion is that you have to point out the errors of the Novus Ordo, of the new church, in order to help people understand why traditional Catholicism is the only Catholicism. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, James? Well, my unpopular opinion from this week stems from something I posted last week on the Bird app. Uh, basically, nuns should not be on the streets protesting every single you know um nuns better serve themselves and serve the church um when they are in a monastery on their knees praying in front of the blessed sacrament i know it's a popular thing today to see to go to marches march for life or even something as, as you know big as march for life where of course you know they're uh uh promoting the sanctity of life in that regard um, you know, to take a cloistered nun and put her out on the streets, you know, um, in that regard, I, I think sort of diminishes uh, what her, her what their role is. Um, I think, you know, nuns would better serve, um, you know, the, the church in front of the Blessed Sacrament on their knees. And that's kind of what my unpopular opinion is. I've had to, I've had to go. I've had a lot of back and forth on Twitter <laughs> um about this and uh not just not just recently but you know in years past when i made such uh similar comments mm-hmm. all right well you're gonna there's some feminists that are not gonna like I, that one i know um for my unpopular opinion this week let's see if i can get this on here can i change the size of this i don't know if i can change the size of this thing there we go if you were to look at one sermon and if you were to take an hour to read one sermon to your children, I believe that all of us would profit by reading this one. The little number of those who are saved by St. Leonard of Port Maurice. It's on the website. It's on the YouTube channel, Restoring the Faith. But my unpopular opinion is that most traditional Catholics are going to hell. Um, that's just a mathematical fact. When St. Leonard of Port Maurice was around and he was preaching in the later part of the Middle Ages, he would preach, uh, and he was invited by the Pope to preach even to the cardinals and to the Curia, 
and he cited all of the um, the the titans of the church from Saint Augustine and Saint Thomas Aquinas and Saint Jerome, and he convinced everybody that um, well, very very few will be saved. This was a, of course before the Novus Ordo Missae. This was before the 1960s, the age of Aquarius. This was in the age of faith, so-called. In the age of faith, the majority of Catholics, adult, baptized, confirmed Catholics, argues this venerable saint will be damned. And that is my unpopular opinion. I think most traditional Catholics are headed for hell. And um, I don't say that lightly. This is something that I think we need to think more about. And it's something that I do with the children every Ash Wednesday. I I pull out um, this particular sermon and I take them down. Uh, we've had a basement for the last few years, so it's nice to take them to the basement because it's a change of, change of scenery for them. And I kind of like dim the lights and I have candle lights and stuff. And I read them this sermon word for word from St. Leonard of Port Maurice, because I think what we need is to refocus ourselves on the idea that if in the age of faith, when there was the Latin mass, when most people in Christendom were Catholic, St. Leonard of Port Maurice was saying that most Catholics are going to hell. What makes us special? What makes us think that any of us um, are going to make it? Just because we darken the doorway of the Latin Mass doesn't give us the right to look down on the Novus Ordoites who are out there who haven't figured it out yet. Because to be honest, a lot of Novus Ordoites that I know take their faith a lot more seriously than some traditional Catholics that I know. So um, that's my unpopular opinion. I think um, many of us are headed for hell. And I hope, I pray that the four of us on the rundown and that all of you are in that exceptional group, but the math doesn't support that. So let's uh, take it seriously. Um, we got a grift, guys. It's time to grift. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, this is your first baby face grift. I know. <laughs> My goodness. Um, I should have something witty or funny to say, but instead I have. The news that every dread, every publisher dreads to ever talk about. So I published this book, wonderful, wonderful cover, great book, The Ascent of the Mind of God. Everyone who's gotten it so far absolutely loves it. Um, the first run to come through and get sent out to people, I had a problem with. And the problem was, um, so right when I got done, I was almost done with it, and I decided to make a change. And so I did a find, replace, change in there. And, uh, you know, fixed. And then it's all a bunch of typos. I say, yeah, I better fix those now. Fixed them, saved it. And then when I uploaded it to my printer, unfortunately, because I save extra files, I save backup copies. I put it on my drive. I put it on flash drives. I put it so that way everything's always backed up. So if one computer goes down, the other one continues. If I get hacked, I just move over to the other device and uh, tell the ransomware hacker to go get lost. Um, but it's bit me in the rear end this time because I loaded up that backup file. So the result of this uh, find and replace operation, which I fixed, but you got the file version before I fixed it, was that uh, there was a space in every thing, you know, every time. So I, I started writing he, him, himself, 
uh, capitalized. Then I started looking at the, the the publishing manuals and I started looking at editors' comments on this uh, practice online. And it, it's a mess in terms of, you know, you know what, I'm going to run a file of some standards. So I better get rid of it. So I decided to change it all to lowercase. Well, the replace term had a space in it. So every time he himself, him, whatever appeared about 30, 40, 50 times, there's a space between that and a period, that and a comma, a double space, whatever. That, and then, there, of course, the typos that I corrected in the final pass didn't, were in the version that went out, this one namely. So uh, I sent out emails. Uh, the only people yet to get a contact are the first people who bought the book. You're going to get an email. You'll have a choice of uh, I will replace it with the new copies as soon as I get them. Those are being printed right now. It should be shipping soon. And if not, uh, if you don't want to do that, you're fine. I will offer you 10% off. And if you bought the things for Amazon, I have no way to know who you are. I don't get that data. And you would like a corrected copy, do contact me. I'd be happy to give you a corrected copy or 10% off anything on the Mediatrics Press page. So since we're talking about the Mark of the Beast and things of that sort, we have a doctor of the church talking about Antichrist. Now, the this particular book, its purpose is to defend the church from 16th century Protestants who had as their very one ecumenical doctrine that the Pope was the Antichrist. And a lot of people are tempted to say that because of our current current Pope. But at the same time, <laughs> uh, Bellarmine shows very conclusively that the Pope will never be the Antichrist. Uh, although it's not impossible, he wouldn't be a forerunner. So it's great. He talks about the church fathers. He refutes the Protestants. He shows how many of the Protestants contradict each other all throughout. Very good book, very good for learning the wisdom of the fathers on a very difficult subject. And St. Charles of Seze, his feast was in January. If you know nothing about him, he's a 16th century lay Franciscan. I'll hold it up again. Um, the autobiography of St. Charles of Seze. Got to get that book. Uh, it's, it's a spiritual treatise. Really, it's on par with St. Teresa of Avila's autobiography and uh, spiritual works of that caliber. It's just a fantastically written, excellent uh, work altogether. I do highly recommend it. Not enough people know who that saint is. I'm hoping to get more of his works out in the future. And we have a book club. We have a subscription service where you get a book every single month. Uh, we have two options. We have an ebook option and a um, hardcover book option. Sorry. And so, if, uh, and so if you want to get a part of that, uh, $10 a month for the ebook. Uh, fifty dollars plus shipping for the hardcover book, and then the other uh, uh, stuff that we have. So go to mediatexpress.com. It is the very first listing on the slider. The very first thing is the book club. You can click on that, and it'll take you to the page. Um, and the only thing I was going to mention too is again because of the mix-up with this, I've already contacted book club members. This was the book for this month, so it's going out a bit late because I'm still waiting to get it, the the corrected one. And I did offer um, a higher rate for the book club, 15% off for book club members to get, if they want to keep the typo copies, they'll get 15% off. <laughs> Do you want to respond to your children? Uh, that's actually my wife. Oh, well, Actually, no, that looks like my daughter on my wife's profile. Stan, what, what, how fast will it take? <laughs> uh, that's a good question <laughs> you didn't tell them this was happening you're debuting this on the rundown did you go to the what? office to shave what's that did you shave at the office no i went to a barber went to a local catholic barber i met at so i needed to give a shout out you're in this area 
All Saints uh, Barbershop on Appleway and Coeur d'Alene. Uh, the St. Joan of Arc parishioner. And so if uh, you need a haircut, I do recommend going local. Get down there. Oh, man. <laughs> Think local, act local. New York City! <laughs> uh, <laughs> Brother Martin, grift. It's not, Well, hold on. You can't grift properly without the grifting intro brought to you by <laughs> i mean church felt uh, has given me so much to grift about i mean <laughs> i mean first of all real our calendars are still for sale our nice our, our pre-1955 calendars with augustinian saints uh, they're obviously very conducive to my spiritual life because i look at this every morning before we celebrate mass see what's see what's going on today um Again, pre fifty five, so it's all the the fasting rubrics, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so those are on sale for ten bucks at our website, www.oblacesofsaintaugustine.com slash shop. Um, but I also, in seriousness, want to grift uh, Mike's cause uh, in defending himself against church because the fact is, church militant has promised you that they would dethrone bishops uh, by their exposing corruption. But the reality is they caught on to one bishop from Buffalo because some other secular reporter had, had, had caught on to the story. And they jumped onto the story, and that's the only bishop that's ever been exposed or, or, or deposed from their exposition. Um, so millions of dollars have gone in, into their, to their business. They've, they've, they've de- half deposed one bishop and, and nothing else. But now they're going after laymen. They've, they've attacked LifeSite News. They've attacked Michael Matt. They've... They've attacked Mike, uh, Mike from RTF, um, and are attacking him personally from his own, you know, having forcing him to defend himself from his own pocketbook, et cetera, et cetera. This is absolutely insane. A, a business with millions of dollars is going after 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 families. Why? Why? How is this possibly Catholic? They're 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 presenting themselves as the defenders of truth, the promoters of truth, um, but but they're really they're 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 bullies. Um, a lot of people have donated to, to, to Mike's fundraiser um, for Father Jackson. And now in Discovery, they've asked for all of those names and addresses and how much they've donated. This is insane. Now, now they're going to dox you guys. Now they're going to dox all of you guys. They're, they're going to go after you. They're going to go after you know, to find out who you work for and tell, and tell your um, bosses that you donate to this cause because that's exactly what they did to Mike. They contacted his um, his employers or whatever else, his employers, and said that oh, RCF Mike is doing this. Um, so there's absolutely every reason to believe that they're going to go out, go after each and every single person that ever donated to this uh, this Father Jackson fundraiser. We need to stop this. This isn't the 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 behavior of Catholics. And to be honest, personally, I need proof that these guys are actually Catholics. I need bir- I, I need I need baptismal certificates to really believe that Niles and Boris are actually Catholic, um, because by their behavior, I can't tell. Pure and simple. Um, so I actually want to uh, want to grift uh, RTF's cause in, in in this, and that you guys actually really need to consider um, uh, giving your hard earned money to this because um, this th- th- this will actually have future consequences for everyone watching this, everyone who donated to RTF, anyone who is actually con- convinced and uh, con- convinced in their ability to actually change the, the, the direction of the church, whether it be from the hierarchy whether it be from independent media, um, the people donating to these causes actually have the voice um, to expose the truth. And so if the hierarchy aren't exposing the truth, they're not defending the truth, 
of independent and so-called independent Catholic media aren't defending the truth, but they're just using your, all of your money to to defend themselves and be bullies on everybody else. Then you actually have to stand up stand up for those who are doing this as a hobby, um, and, and are actually willing when the face up at David versus Goliath. Um, so that everybody here really, really needs to stand up for, for RTF Mike. Um, I'll be, obviously, I mean, being so close to Mike, uh, I, I, know, I know much of the situation. Um, and if I had millions and millions and millions of dollars, I would put them all behind Mike. Um, so if, it, if you have anything spare, spare to give, please consider donating them to, to uh, RTF Mike's cause um, and defending, them, defending him against, and against Goliath. James? Well, I want to thank Mike for all the work he's done uh, and the millions of dollars he spent helping me to purchase this house. And I couldn't have done it without Mike. So absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you could change your background on this program. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, uh, in all seriousness, um, I, I don't have anything to grift this week and um, I support the, the cause to uh, lift some weight from under Mike. And uh, if you can, uh, please get, give and know that you're giving to a good cause. This is Run Now. Thank you so much for watching. God bless you. Mm-hmm.